0: It's rather unusual to be reduced to nine men in a Premier League game. It's even more unusual to then go for it with a two-player deficit, playing a defensive line just a shade short of halfway. But Ange Postacoglu does things his way, and Tottenham are perhaps all the better for it. And even though they eventually lost 4-1 to Chelsea in that mad Monday derby, the mood is still good in North London. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. We do like original thinkers on the show. That's definitely the case for our top-tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, it was a wild, frankly bonkers London derby on Monday. Tottenham did give it a proper go, but they did also suffer their first league defeat of the season.
1: Yeah, uh, what brilliant chaos it was on Monday night, my kind of m- match that was, um, so entertaining. Um, Spurs, we knew the honeymoon wouldn't last forever, um, but it all started so well against Chelsea. They were electrifying in that opening sort of 15-20 minute spell. Then they lose their heads a bit and things descend into chaos. And I guess everything that could go wrong possibly did for, for Postecoglou. And the final scoreline does look incredibly harsh, really, on his team because... I felt some of the criticism um, and the, the sort of quotes of suicidal tactics from Poster were a bit wider the Mark, really. Um, Tottenham could easily have got something out of that game and the final score didn't really reflect that, I felt. And, you know, I was probably going to bring it up on on Sunday's show when we talk about Chelsea, but it's probably worth an airing here too. But in, in the 19 minutes between Nicholas Jackson's first and second goals, Spurs had three shots, two on target. That's not including Eric Dyer's disallowed effort. Chelsea had zero in that time. Spurs had five final third entries. Chelsea had two. So you can criticize Tottenham's approach all you like because it was quite alien. It was quite unusual uh, to be defending in that way with nine men, but it totally bamboozled Chelsea.
0: And yeah. you know, no, Sean Sons- 20 minutes just screaming, just did, yeah. did just thought if we if we don't win nine against eleven the backlash is going to be enormous and it was just pure panic. And when it you've was. got a team of children with Charco Silva and Brahim Sterling trying to kind of ferry them along, you're always going to have that, aren't you?
1: You are, yeah. And, you know, it's fine margins. You know, if Son had scored that 94th minute chance, which was tipped around the post, we could have been describing like a, a smash and grab point here for Tottenham and and kind of eulogising Poster for his efforts and his tactics. And yeah, it was, it was a... A mad game. Very, very entertaining for the neutral. Um, But what was quite interesting, I thought, was during the game... When we saw Romero sent off, we saw Van der Ven, Madison Golf off injured, uh, then the doggy as well. I was kind of watching the market ahead of the weekend game with Wolves, um, seeing if I could get on anything early, early doors there. And before the game, Wolves went off of what were going off as a, a plus one Asian handicap underdog. That line quickly shifted, uh, and in the second half, it settled to where where it is now. Wolves being kind of quarter ball underdogs going into this game, and you know you chuck in those absentees from Spurs, Perisic as well, Ben Davies. We understand is. Is potentially absent as well. They are down to the bare bones, at least defenders-wise, Tottenham. Um Madison sounds more like a 50-50 for the weekend. You've got Benton Core coming back into the squad, which is big plus, but ultimately you're missing three of your first choice back four, which is not ideal at all. And if anything we've learned from Wolves this season is they are pretty much chalk and cheese at Molyneux. They've displayed a, a brilliant combination of kind of grit and, and energy to put teams under pressure. Uh, away from Molyneux, they've been a little bit more susceptible, but um you look at their efforts, they've they've been dealt with some you know a tough schedule at Molyneux. They've beaten Man City, creditable draws against Newcastle and Villa. Even the defeat to Brighton early on in the campaign was nowhere near as one-sided as the score suggested. Um, and they've got options in forward areas. I know Pedro Neto's missing; he's been wonderful this year. But Huang's been a revelation—six goals, he's contributing assists as well. You've got Cunha on his day, who can contribute. You've got Klasenac, who's a uh, beam pole target man, who's decent with his uh, decent in, in control of the ball as well. So, and I like the, the kind of brawn in, in midfield and the balance of, of a ball playing ability now between. Lamina so, I think we've got a punch of chance here at a, a decent price. Um, I think the sensible solution would be to back Wolves with a, a half goal start on the Asian Handicap around about 1.8. I think that still looks fair enough and I'm expecting goals in this game because Wolves matches invariably have done so. Nine of the last ten have seen both teams scoring. They've only failed to score once. That was against Man United on the opening day when they played brilliantly and probably should have scored. But they've also only managed one clean sheet. And uh obviously this is a big test now for Tottenham defensively with those players missing. They have conceded twice or more in three of six away, but they scored in every game. They scored twice or more in nine of eleven. So I've got to think this has got all the makings of being a, a classic, really. So um my selection would be Wolves plus half a goal here. Um, just because of those absentees. I think it's a big ask for three players to slot in what's been quite a uh, a consistent backline for Tottenham under Postacoglu this season uh, you're missing a lot of pace as well with Van Der Ven Romero and Udogi uh, and Wolves do have pace in forward areas so this could be quite uncomfortable for Spurs
0: very dear tipster and Mahjong Pro League contestant Emmett O'Keefe is with us once again Emmett that game against Chelsea's taking its toll as Mark says in terms of injuries and suspensions how much does that sway you ahead of this game
2: yeah quite, <coughs> quite significantly um I would echo everything Mark said. Just as well, just kind of going back to the the Tottenham Chelsea game. I just I, th- I think just for people out there, the, the, the questions about Postecoglou's tactics. It is worth remembering that like when when Tottenham go into nine men and it's one all, like they're no matter what tactics they play, they're very likely to lose. Right, so it's like you're picking the managers, picking the best of. The best of, of a number of bad options, and whatever option he chooses, whether it's sit back and play deeper, it's play the mid block, or it's press high with the with a kind of high line, they're probably going to lose. And I would say, like, I'm could of, I do think maybe a better team could have cut them up better than Chelsea, more easier than 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 Chelsea did in the end. But you have to say, like. The approach they took got them unbelievably close to getting a draw with nine men, which is like so. Like even even though it didn't work out, the tactics the, the, the tactics he employed got them closer than I think sitting back with nine men would have. That's so. I, I would, I'm I, I, I'd be kind of pro post Coglu in, in that regard. But and for this, really funny. It was actually genuinely was, yeah. really funny to watch. It was, it was surreal. It was it was surreal to watch. But the I for this weekend though, I do think that approach might count against them in the sense that we know. I, I was looking at some of the predicted lineups for this weekend, and, I was, and it looks like maybe they might play Hoiberg and Eric Dyer at centre back together. And if you're playing that high line. Like that's kind of the really high line. Mickey van De Ven is one of the quickest centre-backs in the league and Romero is pretty quick too. So it's just like you're kind of, you're going from that to Dyer and Horberg it, it is very dangerous territory, as Mark said. Wolves, Wolves have shown ability to be competitive with kind of some of the better teams in the league this season. And I, I, I they, 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 they look an obvious play to me here. The double chance at 183, obviously the Madison whether Madison's fit will be key but even, even without him I think Wolves have shown enough this season that they can be can be, can be competitive and at least get a point given Tottenham's absences
0: Odds compiler and creator of a fine collection of beach inflatables that he sells <laughs> all across Malta uh, Mark Stinchcom is on the panel Still, Stinch Wolves felt they were on the wrong end of poor officiating in their defeat at Sheffield United but either way it's a pretty poor result that isn't it
3: yeah uh, I, I guess but I, I think as Gary O'Neill kind of said once VAR comes in sometimes we don't know what outcome is going to happen despite sometimes it being clear and obvious what the majority of us think should be the decision um, I do quite like his his take on uh, on VAR that you know he just refuses to discuss it because literally doesn't respect it and I know Mark said the game on Monday was great to watch but come on like all this VAR stuff. I know they got the, the majority of decisions correct, but it's just for, for me it's it's not an enjoyable watch. Um, well there were 21 so I, minutes of stoppage time across the two halves. E- exactly. like I mean we got to see lots of goals as a result so it's a good lesson for anyone back in unders uh, to be to be careful. But for me, like, um, you know, the football is is not as exciting at the top level to watch as it once was with all these VAR checks. I always reference, you know, the Aguero winning goal for for Manchester City to win the league all those years ago against QPR. I imagine that had a VAR check, you know, all the emotion gets sucked out and you can't really yeah. celebrate it, it properly um so there they're obviously it doesn't seem to be going away but there seem there does need to be a lot of uh, tweaks in, in my opinion to improve the process and what sort of things are checked and, and aren't checked essentially um for this game um, it's it's quite difficult to sort of disagree with the market mark makes a good point there that um if you are watching a game and you see a team um, sort of crumble with uh, injuries and suspensions, you can uh, you can be quite clever and uh, and get involved with the uh, with the opposition that they're playing in the next match at decent prices, and then even trade out uh, before the game starts and, and lock in the profits. That's a good a good uh, trading um, approach that you can make. I was basically thinking that if um, given the all Spurs' injuries and suspensions and absentees and, and Wolves missing uh, Pedro Neto it might it might turn into a bit of a, a scrappy affair and uh, Wolves have been quite well known for being scrappers this season they got the uh, the joint most cards in the league um, but I thought rather than uh, betting on uh, cards and we already know that the expectancy for cards is quite high so you're looking at you know much higher lines to try and clear the than usual in order to get paid out and again uh, yellow cards aren't always consistent in how they're uh, given out, you know. Some some fouls we think are definitely yellows, but let's say it comes in the first fifteen minutes, and you get referees that want to be lenient. So I thought I'd look at fouls, which are obviously a lot more binary. It's a lot more clear cut, and uh, a lot more easier for for sort of the correct decision to be given in terms of what is a foul and what's what's not. Now Wolves are the worst foulers in the league, averaging over thirteen per game, and it just so happens that Tottenham are the most fouled team. Uh, in the league with over 14 per game. You about wolves to commit over 12.5 fouls at 4 to five. and uh, I thought that was uh, quite a nice angle.
0: Now, it's worth bearing in mind that Betfair is offering a completely free Acker or Bet Builder on this weekend's football, but you do have to opt in to claim it. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. Newcastle beaten in Dortmund, but battled bravely, despite having lost a clutch of players to injury. They take on a Bournemouth side that's in deep trouble and was absolutely shredded by Manchester City. Emmett, what chance do you give the cherries here?
2: Um, if Newcastle were had close to a fully fit team, I wouldn't give them much of a chance. But that is the, the that's the opposite of the case here. Kind of the so I think listeners might be aware that Newcastle are missing Alexander Izak, Sven Bottman, Elliot Anderson, Harvey Barnes, Jacob Murphy, and obviously Sandro Tonali. But I think this week. This week, Bruno Br- 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 Guimaraes will be suspended, and Callum Wilson also went off with the with, with a thigh injury in Dortmund. So, like, they're really down to the bare bones now, and I, I do think they are. They're, they're way more vulnerable here, as well. We've seen Newcastle they, they draw at West Ham and Wolves after two of their Champions League matches. so I do think it'll be tough for them to back up back up that match at Dortmund. And for as bad as, I think, Bournemouth have been really disappointing this season. I've kind of tipped them in the positive markets pre-season. I was a fan of the employment of Antonio Ariola And they haven't really delivered so far. But I, they have put in some good performances at home. They held Chelsea to a draw. And they were in kind of in a winning position at home to Wolves. And a kind of an early red card kind of derailed that. Again, from what we've seen, this I couldn't have that much confidence from what we've seen from Bournemouth this year. But I do think there is scope for improvement with them. And just given Newcastle's injury list, this is a, this is just a really good time to play in Newcastle. And I think Bournemouth look value to avoid defeat at around two point three.
1: Mark,
0: how do you see this one?
1: Yeah, completely agree. This feels like a great opportunity to oppose a Newcastle team. This will be their seventh game in three weeks since the last international break, and they've not really impressed outside of St James's Park this year. Obviously, a Tuesday to Saturday turnaround is is manageable, but both matches being away, one of which being in Germany, just disrupts rest and preparation time as well. And the list of unavailable players for this weekend, you know, Emmett's already sort of detailed a lot of them, but there's also Dan Byrne missing. There's also Target and Mankio missing. So they've got no available left backs. Um, you are going to be missing at least five. First choice players throughout the spine of the side. And you look at the bench that played, or at least were named away at Dortmund in midweek, they are very much down to the bare bones at the minute. And they looked leggy. Um they looked really tired in that fixture against Dortmund. They didn't look like they were capable of raising themselves in that second half to, to battle back and get something out of that match. So it might sound strange considering we're opposing a team who are unbeaten in seven Premier League games, scoring 20 goals, keeping clean sheets in five of those seven Premier League matches too. But I didn't think they were that great against Arsenal last weekend in a low quality match obviously they had um Manchester united in the cup last midweek too it's been a, a pretty tough schedule for newcastle in recent weeks and this feels like a good opportunity to to oppose them really so i'm actually taking it a bit um more pragmatic to admit, I'm going into the exchange and back in Bournemouth plus one on the Asian handicap at 173. Uh, it requires Newcastle to win this game by two goals or more for the bet to lose, which I think has a nice bit of insurance. Now, Alex Scott was injured last week for the Cherries, which is a, a big blow, but Lewis Cook should be back from a ban too. And whilst it's not like for like. Um, it does, uh, you know, give them an extra body there in midfield too. And, you know, if you're thinking Newcastle are leggy, they are feeling it uh, in leg, in, um, in tiredness, uh, fatigue in the mind even, um, after an intense couple of weeks. For all Bournemouth's negatives this year, they do play with intensity, they do play with energy, and that could be the tipping point here to to kind of get them a little bit closer to Newcastle. As Emmett said, they competed well against Chelsea. They weren't that bad against Spurs either early on in the campaign, and um, this might be the opportunity to get them onside.
0: Let's take it into the championship then—a northwest derby between Blackburn and Preston Stinch. What have you got for us?
3: Yeah, you touched on it at the beginning of the the show, Kev. I wanted to sort of highlight the increase in stoppage time uh, across the UK this season, and because of the the increase, the the um, extra goals that we're seeing as a result of that, and how I think, arguably, any over. Two and a half bet is almost positive EV before kickoff in some games because you expect in in my mind they're priced up on sort of an injury time expectancy of uh, sort of four or five minutes per half. But if you happen happen to hit a game where all of a sudden that goes up, you're you're you know you're riding a, a very positive EV bet. Um, you look at the championship this season the average goals per game so far 2.73 you compare that versus last season just 2.43 and season before 2.51 so you can see the the huge uh, improvement there in terms of the the output and if you look at the the highest time bucket in terms of goals um, this season, 24% of goals are coming after the 75th minute. And you compare that to 21% from last season. It's only three percentage points, but that actually, you know, is a, a huge, yeah. yes, is a huge amount of an increase. So I really wanted to find some games this weekend uh, to try and take advantage of. And I, I think the the Friday night Lancashire Derby uh, ticks the box. Um, two teams that are uh, both pushing for uh, playoffs and, uh, and ultimately uh, promotion. Uh, Blackburn chalked up as uh, odds-on home favourites. Maybe maybe a tad short if you consider the sort of derby element and the huge reliance they have this season so far on on Sammy Schmodix. But we're we're not interested in who wins. We just want to see uh, three or more goals basically. And yeah, these two teams really fulfilled the criteria in my mind. Um, Eleven of Blackburn's fifteen have seen over two point five goals. Eight of Preston's last twelve. You look at the the sort of season average. Blackburn up at seventy. 33%, Preston at 60%. Um, And you just look at the average goals in their games, Blackburn's averaging 3.13 per game, Preston 2.93. You know, is this Lancashire derby? So is it a tight affair as some derbies usually are? You look historically, no, that's not really the case. 10 of the last 14 have gone over 2.5. The average is up at 3.36 per game. I always think sometimes I, I, I probably should, uh would be interested no maybe one of the other guys knows but um i think sometimes tv games the with there's more viewers and the pressure intensifies. I think you do often see an increase in goals. Um, and Blackburn themselves have got a bit of a defensive crisis, just uh, two recognised centre-backs available. So that should uh, that should help the away team with obviously them having a, a lower goal ex- expectancy as the outsiders. So over two and a half goals is five to six. And I don't think it, it's a 50-50. Uh, you look across uh, a lot of games uh, and Overs is over the overwhelming favourite.
0: When you said Time Bracket, I misheard you and thought you said Time Bucket at one stage. And then I started thinking, what an amazing show that would be. Mark Stinchcombe's Time Bucket, where you put the bucket on your head and then you go to different eras. But that's just the way my mind works. But No maybe Taylor that's Swift, a show though, I'm afraid. That we... No, no Taylor Swift. She might be interested in the show, though. Maybe we like get an her era? as a guest. Exactly. There you go. You see? You look Stinch up with the popular culture. You could take Taylor Swift to different eras of football and she could have a great time. Zoom off to the 1930s. Or this is go all back
3: very
0: Yeah, well, I'll take that. I'm quite happy with that. That's no problem whatsoever for me. Uh, Lynn, anyway, Manchester United season hit another new low in midweek as they blew a 2-0 lead and a 3-2 lead to lose 4-3 at Copenhagen in the Champions League. They've got Luton at the weekend, uh, Emmett. Man, oh man! What a terrible, terrible night it was for Manchester United. If you want to unload, get the therapy done, you, you're
2: quite welcome to. Yeah, at least I at least I had the money on against Copenhagen this time. Uh, usually, See, I usually,
0: told you, emotional hedging yeah, was the way yeah. to do it.
2: Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, no, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of a slightly fortunate bet, really, in the sense that United were actually not often you said well on top and battering Copenhagen until the kind of Rashford red card and the kind of game kind of really really kind of change from there. Um however, I do think I, 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 I think you know they're clearly kind of struggling for form. I don't think they should really be one thirty five at home against any, against any team in the Premier League. And I wouldn't be shocked if if Luton are competitive here. Um like Luton, Luton obviously this season they've they they have the second worst kind of expected goals against the Premier League, and they've conceded fourteen goals on six away matches. So, as much as United have struggled kind of play playing against low blocks, I would you would expect United to at least find the score sheet once or twice. But you uh, know, United's defense just simply can't be trusted. Like. Only, only six teams in the Premier League have a worse expected goals against the May United. They've only kept two clean sheets in their last kind of ten Premier League matches. So I think both teams to score at kind of a, um, at about one ninety five is the way I'd look here. I just, I just think yeah, I think. I think United are still playing like a team that's on the verge of having the manager sacked with ten Hag. So I think, I think, I think, so I just, I'd be, I'd be wary of including United in your kind of Saturday accumulators because I think those kind of teams are generally to be avoided. I'll just make one small point about United as well. I think, like, I, I don't really understand some of the kind of selection choice at the moment, in terms of uh, specifically like Tel Hag fought really hard to get Sophie Lambert in on the last day of the kind of transfer window, all this kind of effort made. And then like he's playing Scott McTominay as a holding midfielder away in the Champions League. Like it's totally illogical. And then like the Mason Mount. Usage is just is just like baffling stuff. Like Mason Mount, I'll just give a... I I was kind of, I was just trying to check, make sure I wasn't, I gained this wrong. I was checking a few numbers beforehand. Like in in twenty one twenty two season, Mason Mount had eleven goals and ten assists in the Premier League. Like they are elite numbers Yeah, the 20, yeah. in the twenty 2020, twenty 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 one season when Chelsea won the Champions League under Thomas Tuchel Mason Mount was fourth in key passes statistic in the Premier League the guys ahead of him in that statistic were Kevin De Bruyne Jack Grealish Bruno Fernandes that's it like Mason Mount is not is not a dud. Like he obviously didn't play well for Chelsea last year, but like he so did. There was dar- the
0: contract controversy. Yeah, and he was yeah. yeah. Distracted, like, and the place
2: was an absolute basket case anyway. He was a really effective player playing in this. But m- to be fair, he was mainly playing in a front three for Chelsea. You're kind of a half and half type position, and given United struggles in midfield, you are crying out for that kind of half and half kind of um, forward slash midfielder to get the yeah. extra numbers in the midfield. So I just, I'd like to see that happen and I'm kind of just baffled as why Hag isn't trying it, especially given the money they spent on this summer. Strange old season it's been.
0: Massive game in the Bundesliga's bottom half. Darmstadt face Mainz. Mainz finally won last week as they beat Leipzig in their first game without coach Bo Svensson. The Huddersfield town legend Jan Sievert, uh took charge of the team. Mark What's the angle here? Is it the traditional goals angle or is there something a little different here?
1: It has to be goals, Kev. Um, six yeah. of nine last weekend in the Bundesliga, went over two and a half goals. The, the match I nominated, Augsburg against Kern, ended 1-1. Uh, despite being 1-1 at half time. Augsburg having a first half goal disallowed. Couldn't get the third goal despite a total expected goals output in that match of 4.7 with 44 shots. So I'm still seething about it to be honest. But um
0: if you want me to goal, make you sure. feel better, the two games I picked out for the over two and a half goals double last weekend were that and Heidenheim against Stuttgart, which ended 2-0. <laughs> so <laughs> so it wasn't right. just you. It wasn't just you.
1: Well, um, I think this game has all the makings of goals. Uh, Just on the Bundesliga now, we're at 74% as a hit rate for over two and a half goals this season. And these two teams have combined to contribute to 17 winning over two and a half goals selections from 20 matches, which is an 80% hit rate. It's incredible, really. 13 of those 20 went over three and a half. 15 of those 20 saw both teams scoring. They've scored in 16 of those 20 and managed just one clean sheet between them, which was Mainz's shutout against Leipzig last weekend. Um, How much do you read into that? They defended pretty well, kept Leipzig at bay. Leipzig weren't really themselves, I didn't feel. But before that, Mainz had conceded at least two goals in eight of their previous nine. In their five away games, despite none of those trips going to top half teams, they have conceded 18 goals and those matches have averaged four goals per game. So I think we can get a tick in the box from Mainz here. And Darmstadt have been tremendous fun um, since promotion. They've scored in every game. Well, their trip to Bayern Munich, where they reduced to nine men. So, fair enough. They have conceded at least two goals, though, in eight of their nine matches, or most recent nine matches. Uh, their home matches are averaging 4.8 goals per game. Um, <laughs> so, I think both teams... The keep having men sent off, which doesn't help. They've had four off so far. Which is fantastic. Um I, I'm all in for Darmstadt. I'm absolutely loving their matches. Uh, their, last, their game last Friday night against Bochum was, was great fun. Um yes. Were you commentating on that, Kev? I was. I was. Yeah, yes. I thought so. I think I remember, I remember it now of all the matches I've watched. Glad it but, was um, memorable for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, over to an off goal is 178. Just too big for the Bundesliga. Has to be backed.
0: Let's go to Colchester. Yes, indeed. Always love a Roman settlement. Uh, Colchester against Sutton Stinch.
3: What's the, the best league in the English football pyramid this season, Kev? Oh. I would say League Two. It's like obviously Chelsea League it Two. Yes. League Two is terrific entertainment. Goal, goal, Three, goal. Yeah, 3.09 goals per game compared to just 2.3 last season and just 2.46 a season before. Again, it's all about the additional stoppage time or not all about. It's playing a big, big part in it. So again, I wanted to find another game that we could uh, hopefully try and take a vital job and this is the one I, I landed on um, overs is um just just uh touch bigger than four to six so I thought we'll, we'll make it a bit bigger and we'll back both teams to score as well which pays a 10 to 11. um if you look down the English League two fixtures this weekend all but one game are uh, odds on for overs with the with the average odds just four to six um so it's it's obvious what the the market thinks of what we've seen so far this season that is it's not a fluke um Colchester eight of their last nine have seen overs um Sutton's last five have seen overs and they're rock bottom of league two so they're sort of scrapping for their lives and you just look at their both teams in terms of the actual goal output um 55 goals in Colchester's games that's 3.44 per game 58 for Sutton 3.63 and you know we're talking about a 2.5 line um and then just sort of like Percentage-wise, uh, 69% versus 75 in terms of overs, and then that increases um, in terms of their home and away, respectively, 75% versus 86%. Um, when they play each other in this fixture, not too long ago at the back end of last season, uh, Colchester won 4-1. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something similar in terms of a goal-heavy fixture.
0: Now, we know that injury time goals could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets and they've got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and T's in the description. 18 plus bgamblerware.org. Let's take it to Italy. And Marco Hare, Juventus, just on the quiet, are actually quite good. They've got Cagliari this weekend. Yeah, they're effective. Um, (laughs) Not very convinced then about Juventus? Well, I'm convinced that they're typical
1: Juventus back to their old selves, really, playing Max Allegri, sufferable, but they're not particularly
0: enjoyable or exciting. They're never going to be under Allegri, are they, really?
1: they're not um they're benefiting from no european football um that's clear to see they can actually go top of the table if they do beat cagliari on saturday evening um and yeah i'm going to bat them to win and to win to nil um so we're boosting the price on Juventus to beat cagliari from three to ten one point three to six to five which is 2.2 so almost a full point bigger just to about them to win and not to concede so they have won four on the spin Uh, That includes the kind of, as I say, sufferable tactics to win away at Fiorentina, their old rivals last weekend, as well as away at Milan a fortnight ago. Um, In between that, they've beaten Verona and Torino as well without conceding. It's now six clean sheets on the spin, actually, in Serie A for Juve, eight clean sheets and 11 overall. And they've only conceded six goals and four of those came in one game away at Sassuolo earlier on in the campaign. So defensively, they've been superb. And if you look at their matches in Turin, four wins from five, just two goals against. They're allowing 0.4 expected goals per game in those five fixtures and just 4.6 shots in the box. Um, so defensively, they are right at it. Um, and Cagliari, newly promoted under Claudio Ranieri's watch, Stinch's mate. Um, they've actually been quite good fun to follow. Um did recently, they come back from
0: three 0 down to beat yeah, only four three recently? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So that, that's one of one of their last three matches where they have scored eight goals. Uh, but the opposition have been Genoa, Salernitana, and Frosinone, and in Serie A, the, the difference between the sort of the top six, top seven, and the bottom six. Bottom, tops, uh, the bottom, bottom top, <laughs> the bottom six the bottom or seven, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's a huge difference. Um, so Cagliari had failed to score in five of the previous eight. They've already been blanked in defeats to Atalanta, Inter and Fiorentina. They've scored just twice in six against the top half. They're winless away. They've failed to score in three or five away. Their XG average output is is down in the bottom five, bottom six as well. So, you know, it all kind of comes together. And I think Juve at that price, six to five to win to nil, uh, is worth a look on Saturday.
0: All I can say is, thank God he said, bottom socks and not something else. Uh, let's return then to Stinch. And you've got yet more relentless glamour. You've got
3: Chesterfield against Barnet. It's first firstly second in the National League, Kev. That's what I mean. I'm being league. absolutely like, serious. It's incredibly just on just on uh, the last game um, with Cagliari coming back from 3-0 down to win 4-3. I've seen three of those in the uh, in the past sort of 10 days. Uh, there was one in uh, Brazil Serie A where Botafogo, the league leaders, uh, collapsed from 3-0 up to lose to Palmeiras 4-3. Is and this then... the one where
0: John Texter went absolutely insane yeah. and started calling people thieves and things like this, the Botafogo owner? I think he, he completely think so. lost the plot. Yeah, it, uh, Crystal Palace fans will be interested in this because he's involved in your club as well. So he's in the process of ruining Leon. Uh, Botafogo have done quite well, but he completely lost the plot after that collapse. So Lord knows what will happen when he starts focusing a bit more on Palace. Anyway, Stinch continue.
3: Yeah, and then the other one I saw was in the Swedish overscan, uh, Norkopping. I think it was against Van, Van uh, Norcoping were like four to nine faves. Anyway, they were three 0 down. They came back to win four three. The point here is, uh, I just think that's mad. And also, um, I think again, it's coming. It might come down to some of these leagues that have additional stoppage time. It yeah. is giving um, more time for the the favourite to to come back and uh, and ultimately win. So there there might be a there might be something to look at um, in play. Uh, to lay in uh, a team that uh, are 3-0 up that uh, you think could be susceptible uh to to a, a mini collapse and you know you only need one goal and you can trade out but you know if you ride your luck um obviously you'd be in for a big payout but uh, yeah, in terms of uh, in this game, Chesterfield v Barnet, first v second, I'm just uh, yeah staggered that Chesterfield are nearly even. So I think I said at the beginning of the season they'll they'll go off odds on in in every game this season. I uh, still think that will be the case. Um, but their average odds this season across all fixtures, home and away, it's just been four to seven. So to get nearly evens on on them winning, I know it's against second place Barnet, but Chelsea, Chesterfield uh, yeah as I said before a league two team in everything but name uh, they've won 14 of 17 uh, credit to Barnett they've won 13 of 18 but um, if you look at the five games Barnett haven't won they've all come against top half teams so I just think there is there is a golfing in quality uh, Chesterfield won 7 of 8 at home uh, beaten third place Bromley 2-0 sixth place Halifax 3-2 seventh place, older shot, four or three. And obviously upset uh, John Messiniers-Portsmouth last weekend in the FA Cup. That's a John Messiniers-Portsmouth who hadn't lost in 30 games. So it just goes wow. to show... They are capable of competing with uh, the better teams. And yeah, ultimately, I do expect them to take care of most teams in the National League this season. And, and for me, it just looks a really big price as well. When you consider the fact that when they played third place Bromley at home, they were four to nine. And Bromley are really, really highly rated. So I'm not suggesting the price is uh, going to go off anywhere near that. But uh, yeah, I just think Chesterfield are, are too big here and nearly evens.
0: Now it's time for the world-famous podcast Treble, a betting feature so famous that Madonna's current residency in London has been a nightmare for her staff because Madonna keeps getting distracted and keeps shouting out, I want to meet Emmett O'Keefe, and nobody has a clue what she's talking about. How this works is each of the guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and lovely traders like Emmett here wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. So, uh, Emmett O'Keefe, I will start
2: with you, seeing as Madonna is such a fan of yours. Yeah, I was trying to think of a, a bit of a Madonna-based poem, but I don't know if that could have James, James Richardson-esque ability. Um Yeah, so I, I think from, to me, probably the strong, my strongest bet this weekend is probably um, Wolves winner draw a double chance against Spurs, given Spurs abs- absentees. Mark? Uh,
1: after that ray of light, I will go and Very choose good. over two and a half Very goals good. in uh, the, what game would I talk about in Germany? Uh, Darmstadt, <laughs> Darmstadt against...
0: Yes, yes, that one. You you got so caught up with the pun, you completely forgot what the game (laughs) was. There we go. Well, after that pun, I'm crazy for you. And uh, Mark Stinchcombe, take us home.
3: Sorry, I think my camera just frozen. Um, I'm going to go for Man City. That's very,
0: very good because he acted it out as well. He didn't just do it. He acted it out as well. Lovely stuff.
3: I'll go for Man City at Chelsea. Um, they won 12 out of 12 with Rodri in the team across Premier League and Champions League this season. And they're around about four to five. And we will discuss in more detail on the Sunday show.
0: We will indeed. Don't be a dweeb. Make sure you watch the Sunday show as well. Well, that was all very wonderful. And if you think you couldn't get better, it could because it's Marco Hare's Scott Watch. Oh, hey, escort watch. Mark, take it away.
1: Yeah, Partick um, paying out on overs again last weekend, which was nice. But we're going to leave them alone. We're going to drop down to Scottish League Two, where Peterhead are the new leaders in what is turning out to be quite a fascinating title race. There's three teams within three points of Peterhead at the top of the table, Uh, Peterhead coming into the weekend with a five-game winning streak and seven wins from ten overall. They're hosting Stranra, happy to be with the home side here, uh, backing them to win and over 1.5 goals. At 1.95, they've scored at least twice in six of their seven wins. They scored 14 goals in the last five league matches. They averaged the most shots and the most shots on target in the division, and they lead the ratio rankings in both metrics as well. In the fourth tier, Shannara have lost five of the last six. They did beat Elgin last time out, but Elgin are bottom of the table. They've conceded 19 goals in the last six. They've conceded three goals or more on four occasions in that game cycle. In the last three away games. Well, the last three away defeats have ended 5 0, 3 1, and 4 0. So they're giving up the second most shots and the second most shots on target in the division. So it all kind of comes together quite nicely to back Peterhead to win and over one and a half goals. In what I think, now I don't have it official, but I think this could possibly be the longest away day in Scottish football this season. Um, Stranraer are right down on the southwestern tip of Scotland, and Peterhead are right up in the northeast, further north than Aberdeen. There's about 250 miles between them and Google says it's well over a five hour car journey. So if you're doing that in a coach, that is not ideal preparation for most part time footballers who you would assume are only traveling up on the day of the game. So that's a a major plus in Peterhead's box this weekend too. Culture Corner, I'll I'll look at Peterhead, really, because it's the the biggest fishing port in the UK, apparently. Uh, The town is often referred to as the Blue Toon, and that's the nickname of the football club as well. Uh, A name that stems uh, from the kind of stockings that fishermen used to wear back in the the fishing heyday of Peterhead. Wonderful. not even sure what they look like, but um, there you go. Um, they were founded in 1891. Stockings, early... I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they've been a Highland League team for the majority of their history, only granted League 1 League status in 2000 when the SPFL expanded. They play their home games at Balmore, where the capacity is just shy of 5,000. Now, Balmore is 32 miles away from Aberdeen Railway Station, which means it is the greatest distance between a senior football ground in the UK and the nearest railway station.
0: Uh, in Great Britain, so fascinating. Did you stuff. say thirty-two miles? Mm. Well, that wipes that out as a, a if you're going to get there by train, doesn't it? It's a hell of a wall. Yeah, yeah. I'd be fascinated to see how many Stranra fans do make it up for this game. But uh, yeah, Six.
1: that's about as interesting as it gets really for Peterhead. Um, hopefully, they produce the goals. But uh, yeah, a long way to get to Peterhead from Stranra. and if you're going by train, don't bother because it's nowhere
0: near. If you are a Strand Ra fan uh, planning to go to that game or you did go to that game, please get in touch. I want to know exactly how you did it because it sounds quite frankly like a bit of a nightmare. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Make sure you join us for the Sunday show. Our main focus will be Chelsea's game against Manchester City. Remember all of our shows are are now on YouTube's new or, or on the Betfair's new YouTube channel for non racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe from Emmett, from Mark, from Stinch, from Madonna, and from me. It's goodbye, Finn.